the lifestyle as it is commonly referred to today is just another way of articulating that I am willfully, ethically non-monogamous. It started with talking about those fantasies and oh my gosh, what would it be like to watch you with somebody else? I don't know if I'm gonna love that or hate it, but I kind of want to do it because that's exciting. And it just blossomed into so much more than that. We are April and Scott, creators of NaughtyGym.com, and this is The Naughty Gym Show. For years, we've been fitness and nutrition coaches to thousands of people through our commercial gyms and online platform. We've also spent nearly a decade in an ever-evolving open relationship. This show brings together two of our biggest passions, fitness and sex positivity. Our mission is to maximize the physical and mental health of anyone brave enough to explore relationship structures that run counter to societal norms. We have demolished our old ways of thinking about relationships and from that rubble built a life full of happiness, adventure, and vitality. And now we want to help you do the same. So hop on the treadmill, start the show, and let us teach you how to never stop playing. Okay, guys, this is Scott in April with uh, Naughty Jim, and this is the first of our new 10-part series, So You Want to Be a Swinger, which we may change that name. Uh, <laughs> but um, what we were hoping to do with this series is give some advice from some of the most respected and well-known uh, names in the open and swinger community, and we're going to work through a series of pieces of information that we feel like uh, you need to know, or at least to talk about and think about before you consider going down the path uh, to some form of consensual non-monogamy. So today we have with us Mickey and Mallory from the Casual Swingers, and they are experts in this field. <laughs> they have their own podcast, the Casual Swingers, and also Casual Toys. Um, but welcome, guys. It's good to see you today. That's well, great to see you guys. Thanks for having us <laughs> yes, on. Thank you. All right. So you guys have been in this for a while now. Oh, yeah. So uh-huh. give us a uh, maybe a 60 second to two minute real brief background about how long you've been in some version of consensual non-monogamy. And uh, just tell us your your briefest story. Oh, wow. <laughs> Me first. So I had no idea I was actually uh, in the lifestyle. I've probably been in it since um, my young adulthood, teenage years. Uh, just never had a name for it. Uh, I think as a woman, especially during the time I grew up, it's a little shameful to be out with your sexual escapades. Um, it really wasn't until I met him in my early 20s that I knew that this whole community existed. And not to date myself, but to date myself, we've been together uh, 17 years. And for the majority of that, 16 have been ethically and consensually non-monogamous. So yeah, a hot minute. Yeah. So lifestyle together for 16 years. And I've I've been in the lifestyle personally, at least in some form or fashion since I was 17. Uh, and what a lot of people don't know about us, you know, obviously Mickey and Mallory are pseudonyms, uh, many podcasters use pseudonyms and, you know, our faces are out now. And there are a lot of people that know us from our day-to-day lives and our family that have found us as a result of this. Correct. <laughs> and a lot of them weren't shocked because the names Mickey and Mallory actually derived from a movie that came out in the nineties. Uh, it was called natural born killers and natural born killers. Uh, their parents were, they, they were murderers. And, uh, so they were. Ours aren't, but ours were swingers, uh, and, uh, and at least on some level. Wow. And, uh, so we chose those because our T-shirts actually say natural born swingers on the back of them. <laughs> That's perfect. 
Well, we wanted you guys to be on this first episode because we knew you had been uh, in the lifestyle for a long time. And because you've been podcasters, uh, just like us with Naughty Gym, you get invited to a lot of things. You get to experience a lot of things. Uh, you have a breadth of experience in this community uh, that's going to be invaluable for somebody that's wanting to dip their toes in the water or is starting to have those conversations maybe with their significant other. Yeah. Um, but we've used already the term lifestyle probably six times since we started this episode. Uh, so let's talk about what the word lifestyle means. And uh, because we may actually, the four of us may use that word a little bit differently. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I want to make sure that uh, we define our terms before we get to Well, and one of the beautiful things about you having been in the lifestyle for so long is you've seen the evolution of the community and what that word means and implies. And so, yeah, from your perspective. Not only what does it mean, but, um, you know, the most common term maybe 20 years ago or 30 was swinger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and we've certainly evolved from the days of Plato's Retreat, uh, which was in New York City back in the 70s. Before my time, guys, I'm not that old. Uh, but, uh, you know, places like that, that was, you know, when it was swinging, you know, and, and of course, it was some of the pop, some of the culture was popularized by Austin Powers. And, you know, he was a swinger back in the day. And, yeah. And uh, there's, I think, especially in media, uh, movies, music, there's always, always these little like Easter eggs everywhere. Like the holidays come around, everyone talks about the scene in like the Grinch where there's oh, yeah. a key party happening. So everyone has this perception on what they think it is. It, it is. And, you know, obviously, you know, when we, when we named our podcast, we, we knew we were using an inflammatory term uh, when we selected swinger because, you know, the lifestyle, as it is commonly referred to it today, is just another way of articulating that I am willfully, ethically non-monogamous. Hey guys, we want you to join us January 6th through the 13th at Hedonism Resort in Jamaica for a full resort takeover. This is going to be a sexual health and wellness experience like you've never had before. We're bringing in experts from all over the country, actually three different continents, to teach you all about fitness, health, nutrition, sex, being better at sex. We're going to have workshops and events and some competitions, and it's going to be the fittest party in the lifestyle. And it's going to be a party. You're not going to want to miss it. So make sure to reserve your spot today, January 6th through the 13th of 2024. You have plenty of time, and we'll see you there. That doesn't mean that, that we sleep with everybody. That doesn't mean necessarily that we sleep with anybody. It's a it's a reflection of yeah. sex positivity yeah. as much as it's anything. Yeah. It's, and there's no there's no definition, right? I mean, it's yeah, it really does serve its purpose in a very wide breadth to some degree, where I think that the nomenclature of swinger in and of itself, like you said, could be potentially inflammatory and almost insinuates that you have this compulsion to have sex with anything and everything that moves, which is not true. I think for a lot of people who understand that at that level in my personal life, I've experienced that they think I'm a swinger. So they have to like hide their husbands and their boyfriends. And that's not how it's right. Well, and that happens not just in, you know, I, I was in a sense where I'm also bisexual and somebody came up to me un, you know, invited and was like, I just want to let you know 
I am not bisexual. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) that's good. Like I've had, I've said two words to you, (laughs) but that we get that, that same thing for swingers too. It's like, you're a swinger. Oh, I I don't want to sleep with you. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, well, and I I just look at it and I'm like, yeah, grandpa, I don't want to sleep with you either. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to know. Everyone who's nice to you is flirting with you because that's all. Another can of worms we can like open up and talk. About. That, that's what I think. Yeah. Anybody yeah. that's nice to me, I'm just assuming they're flirting. He does assume that. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny. In my younger years, uh, I used to frequent a gay bar in Washington D.C. called Tracks, and I love that place because I could get a pitcher of beer for two bucks. And so I would go up there and hang out with friends. And you know, I my uncle it was out and gay before it was cool. Uh, and by, I mean, and when I say cool, I mean, it just wasn't accepted. I mean, in, in his era, he got the hell beat out of him just for being gay. So, uh, when I would go to places like that one day, I had no idea that my uncle went there. I get a tap on my shoulder and my uncle's standing behind me and he goes, Oh my God, do we need to talk? Like he was so excited that he had found me in this, this place that he loves so much. And I explained to him who I was and that I, I didn't, his, you know, what he did in his bedroom was irrelevant to me. You know, there's this thing in this world, especially today, where we kind of establish this hierarchy of our value to other people based on the things we say instead of the things we do. And the lifestyle is about what you do. It's not about what you say. And for that, as long as you're a good person, you treat other people well, you're open-minded, you listen, because the lifestyle encompasses so many different play styles and walks of life, bisexuality, gay people. There's a lot of acceptance that goes along here. It's not tolerance. It's not always celebratory, but there is a holistically like this, this theme of acceptance inside this community. Yeah. And the lifestyle, more than anything, I don't think anyone wants to be celebrated or even acknowledged for it. They just want to be left alone because it's how they live. Yeah, they want to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to be celebrated for being monogamous either. No. Yeah. Just leave me alone. And let Take your wife. Right. <laughs> well, so we use the word lifestyle a lot, and that's the word we tend to use as well. Uh, a couple of umbrella terms that you hear a lot is called ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy. And as far as I know, those two words are used interchangeably. Um and represent an umbrella. Both of those terms represent the probably the broadest umbrella you can or net, net you can cast, because it includes any form of non-monogamy that is consensual or ethical. Mm-hmm. The, life, the lifestyle is probably a subset of that term, uh, or at least that's the way I would describe it. Um, but then there are other types of non-monogamy that would fall under consensual or ethical non-monogamy. Is that how you guys see it as well? Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate to how how I look at uh, ethical non-monogamy and all the things that fall underneath of it. I mean, you have, you know, hot wifing and colding and um, there's different iterations of polyamory, you know, that I'm learning about as of recently. I thought polyamory was like the term period. And it turns out there's a bunch of other terms that come along with it. And don't test me on that because I'm still learning. (laughs) Well, new terms are made up every day. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think humans, um, we're relational beings, right? We want to know what we are, who we are in relation to something else. And I think that's why we don't like labels, but we kind of need descriptors or nouns to kind of figure out my identity to some degree. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that, Scott, that, you know, ethical non-monogamy, consensual non-monogamy, they all kind of fall under, and well, yeah. they really fall at the top 
of the lifestyle pyramid, right? Right. And because everything that comes beneath it is a different flavor, a different variety of it, but all of it. And and when we look at, and the reason why so many of us live in secret or hide our faces or use pseudonyms uh, is because of all of the judgment and shame that come from people that don't orient or associate themselves with this sort of a lifestyle. And I think it's interesting that many of those same people find it perfectly acceptable to have a non-consensually non-monogamous experience as long as nobody finds out about it. But when those of us that don't mind having it and are honest with our partners, all of a sudden are the problem. And it's interesting, a guy that cheats on his wife, he gets forgiven and all is well. A guy that goes out and his wife watches, uh, they're weird. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I think, and that's where that consensual part and the ethical part comes in is not only we're we not hurting anybody, we're not lying about it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We're, well, and we're also, uh, for most of us, benefiting ourselves as well, not just because we're getting to have sex with other people, because it strengthens our primary relationship if, if done correctly. Um, so we've got consensual and ethical non-monogamy, interchangeable terms at the top of the umbrella. And then beneath that, we tend to use the word lifestyle to describe the modern day version of swinging. Hmm. Right. And then you also have, like you mentioned, polyamory and, and that comes with as many variations as the lifestyle or swinging community has, and maybe more. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're specifically talking about lifestyle or swinging, uh, which is differentiated from polyamory, I think, in that we're not really looking for long-term relationships when we have these uh, sexual interactions with other people. And polyamory tends to be looking, or maybe that's the defining characteristic of polyamory, that they're looking for some type of extended or long-term relationship uh, in addition to their primary one, or they have co-equal relationships. Uh, And and that's the distinguishing mark, I think, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, between the lifestyle and polyamory. We we tend to describe poly versus lifestyle uh, with our throne room analogy. Mm -hmm. So the throne room in our relationship has two seats for the king and the queen. But in a polyamorous relationship, there are three or four thrones in the throne room where everyone has a say in the relationship and everyone else's relationship. So if you're in a lifestyle relationship and you give someone access to your throne room, you give somebody a say in how you interact with your other partner or an equal say, uh, and then maybe not even, even not even an equal say, then that tends to cross over into the poly boundary. It's about the decision making and the communication process that occurs between two people or more people mm-hmm. and who gets a say in those decisions. Yeah. Who, yep, exactly. Who are the decision makers? Yeah. And what I love about, I guess the lifestyle, whatever, what we call it, the lifestyle is that there's no one way to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we get questions like, okay, so what's my next step? And it's like, you communicate that with your partner and the two of you figure out what your next step is. Yeah. can tell you what our steps were, but that may not work for anybody else in the world. You yeah. have to figure out what that means to you. There's not just like, oh, you're a swinger. I know what that means. You have yeah. no idea. Yeah. And I think we've talked a lot about um, only going as fast as the slowest person. And even today, as long as we've been in a relationship together, that's still how we approach everything, whether it's an experience we've had before or it's a brand new experience for us both. You know, everyone sits differently and it could depend on the day and what kind of work day I've had or, you know, how I'm feeling about myself 
personally. And that could change a lot of things. So it's never going to be the same answer 100% of the time. So that level of communication is so important. It really is. Have you guys ever noticed that every pool has stairs? Why do pools have stairs? Because not everybody's me. Not everybody's going to go ass over tea kettle and cannonball into the deep end. I like the stairs. (laughs) Right? Some people use the stairs. And it's okay. I use the stairs. (laughs) Right? And so that's why there's stairs. I'm not going to go swimming with Mickey. (laughs) (laughs) But you you do have to go as fast as the slowest person. And that person's going to change situationally. Mm -hmm. It's going to change with the seasons. It's going to change with experience levels. Um, some other people in some other podcasts call it the gas and the brakes, where one person is the mm-hmm. gas and one person is the brakes. It's not always that way. Sometimes they're both the gas. Sometimes they're both the brakes. Mm-hmm. You've got to figure out your communication mechanism to figure out who's who, which one is which, and communicate why without getting mad. It is so important yes. to communicate with each other and say what you want, like you said earlier on, Scott, but... At the same time, it's just as important for the other person to be willing to hear something that might make them uncomfortable without turning it into an argument. Yeah, that's important for somebody if they're watching this video and uh, they're interested in some form of consensual non-monogamy, but not sure where to start. You got to know going in that if you're the one watching this video and your spouse has no idea, you're probably... uh, the one that's going to be a little further ahead and they're going to slow, they're going to attempt to slow you down and rightfully. So not everybody's going to move at the same speed and you need to be ready for that and uh, be compassionate towards it uh, because this is not an easy transition. Our culture has been built on this dominant paradigm of monogamy and we all know what it is, what it's, what we think it's supposed to look like. It's probably been an abject failure, but uh, we, we know what to expect from that. This world of non-monogamy is new for mm-hmm. most of us. And there isn't, there's a growing amount of resources, but nothing like what there is from monogamy. And so you have to come into it uh, with trepidation and be careful and make sure that you don't try to push your partner faster than they're willing to go. Yeah. Correct. I would also say that you have to come into it with some humility. You kind of have to check your ego at the door and realize that not everything in these conversations are necessarily a threat. It's an opportunity to learn and elevate your communication level at a minimum. It doesn't mean at the end of the day, you get to have sex with somebody else, but maybe even if you both see something differently, you learn something and you took the time to actually have a conversation versus an argument. And um, those are the kind of things that nurture and grow your primary relationship. Yeah, you have to be willing to have those hard conversations, though. I mean, we've had a few lately as we're looking at like solo dating, separate dating, where, you know, one of us has gone to the other. And this has happened several times where we'll go, okay, I'm feeling this right now, but you've done nothing wrong. I just need to get this out. It's nothing you did, but I'm feeling kind of a way we just need to take a whoa, whoa, take a breath take a beat for a minute and let me figure out my emotions and we'll talk about this in 30 minutes. And that has worked so well, giving us both space to not just react and go, well, what did I do wrong? You know, why are you feeling like that kind of thing? So it's hard conversations and both parties have to be receptive and open. It, It does help to understand how the human brain how the connecting points work in the human brain. So if I know two pieces of data, let's say that I know A and I know F, and I'm, I've got two hands, I promise I'll just put them here. A and F. <laughs> um, but I have A and F. I will make up 
C, D, and E in my head yeah. because I, I know this and I know this. Yeah. And, and and everyone does it. And in situations like this, they're very often driven by fear. We talk about fear a lot on our show as an acronym. Stands for false evidence appearing real. Mm -hmm. Most of what we fear will not come to pass. It's the stuff that we made up in the middle because we didn't know. Mm -hmm. So the first time I brought up the lifestyle to Mallory, it didn't go well. Mm -hmm. uh, I did it in passing. I did it flippantly over dinner uh, as kind of a, I'm on, I kind of, I make everything a joke. It's, I can't take anything seriously to save my life. And I said, you know, you'd make a great swinger. And she almost like threw her glass of wine in my face. I, I wanted to have like a Scarlett O'Hara moment and I didn't have a <laughs> like stuff across the table because in my head, that word had a negative connotation mm -hmm. and we were starting to get very, very serious in our relationship. And I'm like, okay, so he wants to dial this back and explore other things. Like I just, again, made up the middle. I had no idea what he meant by that. But my immediate reaction was, I'm taking offense to this, and we're definitely fighting about this later. <laughs> and and, and we did. But when we really started to dig into it, I, her fear was, and the very next yeah. thing she said to me, and this bring, this points back to something you said, yeah. Scott, which is, so you want to fuck other women. That's what you're saying. Right. Because she had made up everything in the middle. Well, because what happens is in that in between, and it's a chemical reaction, it's your fight or flight response. That's exactly what happens in those moments. And you're going to do one of the two, but all that that is triggered. You have all the chemicals being released and it's very difficult to pause and backtrack and go, okay, let me really look at the situation and, and, and ask more questions. And that's what I ended up doing. I probably, I, th I didn't run you through the gauntlet, but it was like being interviewed or interrogated over the next six months. I think Mallory and I might need to do our own podcast on how women respond because I have that fight or flight response too. And I've had to go, I'm sorry, but that's my, I get that spike of adrenaline and it's from past relationships. And so you take that with you into, you know, relationships. And so you have to undo a lot of that kind of stuff. And so being able to be self-aware enough to go, you know what, that was a fight or flight response. I'm not, I shouldn't be in that mode with you. But those chemicals that what they create in you, April is that when you do that B, C, D, and E, like I said, all of those become negative because what you're doing is you're preparing yourself for the worst possible outcome. Right. You're on defense. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, it's important that everybody that, again, is considering something like this, know that these conversations are not going to go smoothly. Even if they start that way, eventually they're going to turn south and somebody's going to trigger somebody and, and it's going to go. So which brings us to the next question. Um, we are in the lifestyle, at least to some extent, in order to get to experience some sort of sexual interaction with somebody that is not our primary partner. Right. Mm -hmm. That's at least a big part of it. What a good weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah when, when everything goes well. But we all acknowledge that there are some that it's not easy. Like we're talking about these conversations, especially up initially are difficult and they never completely go away, no matter how good you get or how much experience you have. Um, so there are risks involved in pursuing a form of consensual non -monogamy. Is it worth the risks to your primary relationship? just to get the fuck somebody else. No. No. <laughs> That's Hands easy down. One. That was an easy one. So, so why do it? Yeah. So, be, well, and I, why don't you go first? I went last Um, Because for me, my experience in the lifestyle, it's it's a lot more holistic. Um, Something that I've really enjoyed about our journey is getting to know each other 
on a higher level, more than we probably could have in a standard monogamous relationship. And it starts with the communication. But in the bedroom, I get to talk about my fantasies and my desires and be very, very, very open about that. I'm also bisexual. So I, I also get to discuss and experience that part of myself. And it just kind of starts as this tree trunk, right? And it branches off into all these other wonderful ancillary things. We ended up with a podcast. We I wouldn't have called that bald 16 years ago, involved in the media community and doing what we're doing today. Like it's this, when when we take a step back and and look behind us, it's just that that journey in and of itself was tremendous. And trust me, we've had a lot of great sex along the way. That has also been a bonus, but I wouldn't even call it the primary. <laughs> I wouldn't even call it the primary. And it was unexpected because at the time, you know, it was a lot more sexual upfront for us. You know, talk it started with talking about those fantasies and oh my gosh, what would it be like to watch you with somebody else? I don't know if I'm gonna love that or hate it, but I kind of want to do it because that's exciting. And it just blossomed into so much more than that. You know, I I think the the phrase that comes to mind for me is is taboo. There are so many conversations that we're encouraged by our families and our mothers and our grandmothers not to have because they're inappropriate. Uh, that there are you know good fences make good neighbors. Things that we don't know about other people that somehow improve the relationship. And I think I believe that to a certain extent until I really had a fully mature lifestyle relationship where the friends that we have today, we have deeper relationships with than anyone I've ever been. People I've been friends with my whole life. And these people know things about me they don't. Uh, when you generate a lifestyle relationship, the walls and the boundaries are so much broader. And the conversations you can have, and I, I mean, I can give you a couple of great examples about where I've seen things that have happened uh, where maybe uh, uh, someone got sick or someone got hurt or their family or something happened and the community came together and lifted those people up and helped them. It is it is the most amazing community of people. And I can't say enough about it. And I would not have it if I hadn't had the thought, I'd really like to have sex with two girls at once. <laughs> uh, Thank God you had that thought. You know? Right. Well, and that, happened, that happened with April very unexpectedly, you know, a couple of years ago, her, both of her parents, well, you tell the story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They both passed from COVID, but within, while they were in the hospital, five days of each other. Um, they received cards from people that we had met in the lifestyle at events that I had only met once or twice. And they were sending my parents cards, wishing them, you know, well, and, and just to cheer them up. And that to me was just, spoke volumes because they weren't getting cards from local friends, <laughs> you know, and it, it was just absolutely incredible. And it is, it's the people, it's the connections that are so deep and so authentic and so raw and vulnerable that are amazing. And not just sexual. I mean, we, we say we're using the word relationship, uh, Mickey, you just said it. But we don't necessarily mean a sexual relationship, though it could include that. Uh, I mean, so our very one of the biggest mistakes we made early on is we said, all right, we're going to try this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to find the hottest people that are willing to have sex with us. Yeah. We're going to have sex and then we're leaving and we don't even care what their names are. Right? <laughs> Never once happened that. Well, and I said, I have that work out for you. friends with them. I have enough friends. Right. We had <laughs> friends. We thought. But but. 
like you're saying, the friendships you develop through the lifestyle, when you can be so transparent, there is nothing that I feel like is off limits for me to talk about when we're with our closest lifestyle friends. That is not the case when I'm with friends from the monogamous world, because I feel like I have to hide a very big part of who I am and we are. And uh, it just becomes a different level of relationship. Yeah, it but I tell you, they did tell me how much some of those relationships, those friendships on the vanilla side sucked because they showed me when they found out who I really was. Right. And I'm good with that. Thank you for telling me who you really are. Yeah. Someone yeah. Tells you would have known sooner, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a there's an adage that effectively says, you know, if a if a girl wants to break up with you, let her. And I think that kind of goes along with the same thing. If they they're disapproving of how we're living our life behind closed doors, even though what's happening on the other side hasn't changed, then they're by all means, please walk out the door. I'll hold it for you and don't come back. Because we don't need that in our lives. My grandma used to say, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it does. And, and and now, like, looking at it, and I, and this is, this is probably going to be a very unpopular opinion. I actually struggle to make traditional friendships and relationships out there in the wild because I feel like even at first, I'm supposed to filter or hide parts of myself because most people aren't prepared for that. There's still a lot of taboo. It's still looked as threatening. And sometimes as a woman, they double down on it because we're supposed to be demure and pure and angelic-like. And, and they expect men to be horse. <laughs> yeah, that's the expectation yeah. of society. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are just like whatever hole like it's more yeah it, it's funny yeah. the guys in the neighborhood here once it's because one of our neighbors found out about us yeah and, uh, and told everybody the whole neighborhood and so all the guys threw a party for me and you know i'm the official Hugh hefner popular guy in the neighborhood oh. i walk out and the women are like grabbing their husbands and, like, yeah hissing at me <laughs> right embroidering her stuff with a scarlet a on it cupcakes <laughs> oh my god oh yeah it, it happened so is it worth it to answer your question scott it is, but not for the reason you asked. It's yeah. worth it because the visceral nature of the relationships yeah. that you create in the lifestyle are ones that will show you the way it's actually. You know, we we had this at Hedo back in uh, when on our Hedo trip. It was the lifestyle the way it should have been, the way it should have been yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, and honestly, the sex I've had in the last ten years has been the sex best sex of my life. And if someone had asked me when I was younger, my twenties would have been it, right? Because in your twenties, mm -hmm. you're you're bulletproof. You're a little more adventurous, and all these other things. Absolutely not. Like, yeah. and and every year that goes by, it just gets better and better. We we we, uh, we one of our taglines is lifestyle less ordinary. But I would actually argue that I got it wrong and say that it should have been life, our style. Yeah, because that's really what we do. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I liked what you said earlier that it's probably close to a hundred percent of the people that get involved in consensual non-monogamy get involved because they want to experience sex with somebody else. <laughs> that is probably, it, it moves way closer to 0% as the reason they stay in lifestyle. Yeah. The only reason you're doing that eventually is to just keep fucking people. It's just, something's going to happen. It's not going to work. You're going to end up destroying your primary relationship. People aren't going to like you that much in the lifestyle. If it just looks like you're there to get your rocks off and mm -hmm. uh, it, it will get you interested in this lifestyle, uh, but it's not going to, you're not going to be very successful. Right. At least I don't. Yeah. You know, it's easy to fall out of love with meaningless sex. Mm -hmm. 
It, it really is. I, I've been doing this for a very long time. I can tell you I've, I've lived it. It is very hard to fall out of love with love. Yeah. Yeah. If you love what you do and you love your community, you will pretty much always will. Yeah. And it's very, it's very easy to fall out of love with random encounters yeah. because they're just not fulfilling after a while. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's fun for a time, but eventually you need something deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it takes time to connect with someone, just sex in general. Um, when you're having the experience for the first time with someone, most of the time, I'm going to, I'm going to go with at least half of the time. It's awkward. It's yeah. a little awkward because you're getting to know each other. You're not know exactly how to read body language. I think the lifestyle helps reduce that a little bit and make it a little better. But I think the more you get to know someone, the more you could read their their nonverbal cues, mm-hmm. the more comfortable they are being verbal about what they want. And that takes the good sex to really great sex. Sure. You're invested in their so, pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we're going to do an episode on different play styles. Uh, and there's, you know, there's different ways people get labeled uh, in, in the lifestyle. But for a lot of us, I know and it seems to be the, the the growing side of the lifestyle. It focuses more on building really strong connections first and then having sex later. Uh, but there are people, I think a lot of new people come into this thing and it's just a wild sex party everywhere you go. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sometimes that happens. There are events like that, but they seem to be a minority from our experience. And they're also the most shallow. And for us, as a newbie's conversation, Scott, it's important you brought that up because most events aren't that way. So if you're looking at an event as a newbie and you're wondering like, oh my God, is this going to be like Caligula? No, if it is, it's probably going to be advertised that way. All right. So, you know, most spaces you go in, most of the common spaces of of a hotel takeover or even a house takeover, that's not going to be that way. They may have group playrooms that are going to kind of be that way, uh, but you'll know what it is before you walk into it. No one, nobody that organizes an event wants you to be uncomfortable. Yeah. That doesn't help anyone. So they're not going to drag you into a space as a newbie that you have no fucking idea what you're getting into. That's just not okay. Yeah, that's true. And it also doesn't mean that you're not going to meet someone that you have a, a really great connection with, get to know and play with that same evening. That mm-hmm. happens a lot. So it's definitely not off the table, but I think for the the mass majority, like you said, it people want a, a little bit more of that connection, mm-hmm. even in those spaces. Well, so that brings up, so we're talking about some of the benefits that, that are inherent in the lifestyle. Do you think that these benefits are enough to save a failing marriage? If somebody... Uh, if somebody's yeah. new, somebody's monogamous and they and they are just struggling. Maybe they don't have a great sex life and they hear people like us talking about these incredible adventures we have and this uh, wonderful uh, sex stuff we get to do in our spread. Could they jump into the lifestyle, uh, reinvigorate their uh, love life with their primary spouse and save that relationship? If your relationship is broken due to poor communication, failures in trust, uh, which by the way, have a lot to do with poor communication, Mm -hmm. uh, then you effectively have no water in the pool. So whether you step into it or jump into it, since I'm using the same pool analogy, I'm just gonna ride this bitch all the way. Uh, (laughs) 
We're changing the title to swimming with casual swimming. (laughs) But yeah, you know, if you don't have those core tenets of equality and strong relationship, communication, trust, openness, uh, free thought, uh, then your pool has no water in it. And it doesn't matter how you jump in. It's not going to be fun. Yeah, it's the fire to the frying pan, effectively. Yeah. You it's know. what is it we just we always said about keto? That oh if if your relationship is in a in a good space that you're working on it and we'll we'll use healthy, right? Because every you know, we strive to be good at it, but never one's perfect. Um it'll amplify it. And that's good and bad, right? So it'll amplify times 10 mm-hmm. if it's good, times a hundred if it's bad. It'll it'll absolutely highlight the spaces and the deltas. In your relationship, and it and it could make for some very very uncomfortable uh, situations. Yeah, what works will work really well. Yep. What works badly will work really bad. Yeah, and it we we always say we feel like our relationship is something special. We to this day, uh, after being together seven years, we have never had we have had one fight. We've never had a. A normal fight though the one issue we had was lifestyle related i i contest that if we weren't uh in the lifestyle we would have still never had a fight to this day that's how strong our relationship is uh, we communicate well we love each other we respect our differences and we genuinely enjoy each other's company and even still we've had some little things that we've had to deal with in the lifestyle uh, so it's not an easy path you know, we don't want to paint this as like, ooh, this is just your opportunity to have a threesome or to have two dudes rail you or whatever. It's not going to come that easy. You're going to have to work at it. And if you go into it with one hand tied behind your back because your relationship is bad, there's a very good chance it could be the death nail of that relationship. Yeah. But, and it goes to, you know, when you, you ask that question, April, it's there's people out there who have babies to try to save their relationship. And that doesn't yeah. work either. Adding more complexity and more responsibility to a problem doesn't fix it. Yeah. It's like, it's actually, I believe, and I know there's probably licensed professionals out there will tell me that I'm full of it. This is just my belief that it's almost like they've already started grieving that relationship. So the distraction, deflection, projection is part of it. Let's make a baby. Let's get married. Let's do these things. Let's start adding let's to the pile because there's all these holes and we'll just try to backfill them, you know, <laughs> instead of dealing with them and, and looking at the pitfalls for what they are. Yeah. So what would your advice be to say there's a couple that does have a healthy relationship, healthy communication, and they're interested in potentially pursuing sex with another couple or opening up their marriage? What would their first step be? I think the obvious one is the conversation, what each individual um, feels and sees in that type of relation, what, what's successful? That's something we ask each other a lot. Like what does success look like for you? And then what does su- success look like for me? And it's okay to not match up. Mm-hmm. The most important part of that is to be honest and accepting of each other's views. It doesn't mean that we're going to do one or the other right away or at all. It just means that we're opening that up. And there's a lot of winning that happens in those conversations when you level up. And the only thing I can say for myself is like the next day, I kind of peacock around a little bit. It makes me feel really confident in my relationship that we can just be so open with each other. Whether or not that happens is almost irrelevant at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so to Mallory's point, opening up 
starts with a conversation. Mm-hmm. It always starts with a conversation. Uh, what I tend to recommend couples do is, you know, in, in most couples have had some version of this conversation already. They shouldn't realize mm-hmm. it. We usually call it, you know, the, the kitchen pass. Which celebrity yeah. can I have on my kitchen pass list, right? <laughs> the one thing that's never going to happen. Right. And so it's comfortable, right? Because Scarlett Johansson's never going to walk in here in lingerie and go, get over here, big daddy. Because Fun if- fact, she's on both of our lists. So. <laughs> okay. Mine too. I think both of ours too. <laughs> she's on everybody's list. Come on. Uh, but my point is that place is, is an interesting place yeah. to start where, where you go from there and go, if you could have... Any fantasy in the universe, anything you've ever wanted in bed with me or without me, including me yes. or not including check, me. Check the ego at the door. Right. What would it be? And why is it hot for you? Yeah. And listen, yeah. hear them, hear what's driving them. And it's going to generally be different for men and women. Mm-hmm. Be- and because, you know, a guy's going to be like, I just want to feel two women, like one on my balls and one on the shaft. And that mm-hmm. is. That's like 85% of the guys out there that answer the question that way. And that's fine, but you're going to get a lot of different answers for it. And, you know, going from there, making the leap from that conversation to actually doing a lifestyle event. My recommendation is choose a lifestyle event that is something like, uh, like here in Orlando, for example, we had their meet and greets that are in a public place. They're in a bar. It's a happy hour. Pick something like that. And go meet some people and let them know yeah. that right out of the gate. There's no shame in this. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm a newbie. Yeah. Uh, we're we're newbies and we're still test. We're testing the waters. We're not ready to even full swap or soft swap yet. We just want to meet some people. Yeah. Even before that, I because that that bestows uh, vulnerability, right? Being mm-hmm. honest and open. Something I would challenge anyone who's doing this right now too is when you're talking about the fantasies here, talk about what you're scared of too and your concerns. Oh, yeah. Don't, it's fun. All this is fun, but be honest how you're feeling here. Cause you need to start tapping into those things. Cause it's easy when that fight flight response kicks in to just get upset. And then it masks that emotion as anger or resentment when really something else is going on. So really think about those things and, and feel free to open up about that too. Oh, and before you go into any situation, public or private, even if you're going, you know, say you get on SDC or Cassidy or SLS and you Which create a profile, sites. they're dating sites, by the way. Yeah. And you create a profile and you pick a couple and they hit you up and you go out on a date and it's the first time you've ever done anything. You still need this, whether it's two people or 200 people in the room, you need to have some sort of a universally understood between the two of you signal that you're not okay. Because if people are in conversation you might not feel comfortable pulling the emergency brake on the train and bringing everything to a stop. Yeah. So for us, for a long time, which we told everybody on the show, so we had to change it, uh, it was we all, we would offer the other one a Coors Light from the bar. And if they said yes, that meant they were good. And if they said bad, if they said, no, I don't want a Coors Light, that means get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's like, so, but it helps to have that communication point And it also keeps you from potentially yeah. upsetting the other couple by maybe freaking out. Yeah. I mean, I literally had somebody in my experiences break down crying in the middle of a four-way play session. And it turns out she cries when she comes. I didn't know that. Before that happened, but it wasn't because she was coming. <laughs> so, yeah. Fill me in. Yeah, I think. I think one way to describe that too is making sure you're giving each other those safe spaces, something to rely on, something to know that the other person hears you and sees you at any given time. Because I think there's um, a lot of comfort that comes mm-hmm. along with that. A lot, and it gives you an extra when you're comfortable, you're confident. Right. 
Yeah, and it's it is important to do it ahead of time because she has pinched my leg under the table, and we didn't have a pinch my leg under the table conversation. So Why are you pinching me under the table? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like you you would be a horrible piece. <laughs> yeah. The hell out of me under the table before. Because like, the other option was a bruise. Yeah. So going back to yeah, having signals, but um, also as a couple having those conversations, like. I have to have conversations with him. If I say no, or I'm unsure, that's a no. Like if I'm on the fence or I'm like, I don't know, I need you to take that as a no and not make me explain myself. Cause sometimes I don't know why I just don't have a great feeling about it, but because I'm a people pleaser, I'll go in anyways. Um, and so making sure that you're using your voice and that's a hard thing to do when people's feelings are on the line because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. And we don't, we feel like, well, they've already invested this time. We've already like spent this time, you know, communicating and I might as well just go for that. You start negotiating that in your head and you're like, well, they did this. So maybe there. Yeah. If it's, yeah. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Yeah. Yeah. That is is one of the most useful pieces of advice to give anybody new to the lifestyle. If you don't feel in the, enthusiastic yes from yourself it is it, anything below an enthusiastic yes is an enthusiastic no right and then it's your partner's job to go all right then this is an L. <laughs> yeah and you know for some of us as guys especially being driven by the head that doesn't do the thinking uh you know it's hard to rationalize that and go but she wants to, and you know, right. she does. So, uh, pay attention. You know, it's we. Our first episode for the season was actually called the No Paradox, yeah. and it actually addressed this very topic in great detail about why it's so hard to say no, and why you know because it's a small word. It should be really easy. It's the most powerful um, word, but it's also a complete sentence. It's a standalone sentence. It's one of those things that, and yeah, I, I know you guys are going to do a, a session on consent, and I, I think it's going to be fantastic. So, uh, you know, I'll let you cover that then. But <laughs> yes, yeah, no, it's a complete sentence, and it's a very enthusiastic thing. Yeah, one more thing I want to say. I want to go back to when he was talking about going to meet and greets and stuff like that. For us, that was one of the best ways for us to really understand what our parameters would be because we didn't really play with anybody for the first two to three years, but we would go to events and just ask people, what's your story? How did you get into this? How long have you been doing this? What are some of the mistakes that you've made? Tell us like the worst thing that's ever happened and how you navigated it. And Hearing from real people, like face to face, where we could just kind of pick their brain. That was one of our, that was like a hobby of ours for the first like two or three years. We're like, let's go ask that couple, like how long they've been doing it. And then again, listening to podcasts like yours, where you're telling the stories and it's real people with real life experiences doing this. You should, you should have made your name Lifestyle Safari instead of Naughty Jim. Right. <laughs> You're like, who can we go talk to? Yeah, and that's, a, that's another thing we found, too, is that it's not a bunch of creepy old sex star weirdos in the lifestyle. Yeah. It is the highest quality of humanity. Yeah. In our yeah. experience. Yeah. You, you do run yeah. into your occasional asshole, but uh, people are so nice and kind and welcoming open and understanding that it's just a breath of fresh air and you hate to you always hate to leave when it's time to go home yeah 100 100 percent and i love that i can meet anyone from a sanitation engineer to a, a surgeon like it, it's all walks of life yeah. and 
it's it's definitely the most loving and affectionate environment. And I don't mean that from like a necessarily like intimate way. I meant that from an emotional perspective, yeah. which that energy, if we could bottle it and give it out to the world, I mean, there we go. Mm-hmm. We've just cured everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my my favorite people in in lifestyle you know, content creation circles is Jay from Average Swingers. I say it all the time. I, everything's a love letter for that fucker. I love him. But, uh, you know, if you ask him what he does for a living, he will tell you, and I'm not telling stories about him. He'll say unskilled labor. That's what he'll tell you. But we all know, the four of us know, he's one of the smartest people you'll ever meet. Uh, emotionally, dude's brilliant. Right, and so loving and kind. I don't know. I don't know if I would agree with that. <laughs> And yes, he's the same guy that wears the singlet slash bore out bathing suit. Like, about it. Hey, I, I didn't say he was a pillar of intellectual fortitude. I said him. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this kind of brings us t- towards the end here. I, one of the things, though, that you guys will have a perspective on that we don't. We've been in this for a little over seven years now, but you've been in it a lot longer. Uh, one of the things we think we've seen but you'll have a clearer vision of is it seems like the lifestyle consensual non-monogamy open relationships, the demographic is getting younger and younger. That's for the, it's still the majority of people discover or start to explore or willing to explore non-monogamy probably sometime past their forties. That doesn't mean that's everybody And, and used to maybe if you went to hedonism or one of these types of places, the average person's age there might've been, 60 or 65 and now it's dropping um because the younger generation while they will not embrace the word swinging you know they 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 don't even embrace labels typically uh they have embraced this more um buffet style look at sexual relationships um, and the demographic is getting younger or is it is that what you guys have seen over 16 or 17 years absolutely it's getting absolutely and i like I'm getting goosebumps a little bit and I kind of love that I know they don't necessarily like labels. Um, but I, I love that there's this level of confidence and assertiveness that we're seeing in regards to sex as they approach it. Um, my hope is, and something that I have a question out that I, and I'd love to see is from a statistics perspective, safety in sex. My belief is because of how educated they are, their safety levels are higher than our generations and our generations before, just based on the the knowledge that's available out there. But I do feel like they're being uh, more assertive about their sex life and sexual experiences because of that. And that's very refreshing to see because I know looking back, I didn't know when I was in it, but I was absolutely repressed, 100% repressed about it. And when I met him, it almost like the veil lifted for me. A bit. I, I could look at myself in the mirror appropriately and not with these fogged glasses on. Yeah. Our parents' generation, we grew up with a lot of that shame culture. Mm-hmm. And so we carried that on and we figured out maybe midlife. I don't know if you're midlife yet. I'm midlife. That that was just bullshit. <laughs> and But I think, you know, the generation that's a little bit younger, like his kids age in their 30s, 25, 35, didn't necessarily experience all of that shame. They were allowed to kind of explore and become independent and figure out on their own what they liked. So uh, that shame, I mean, and that's uh, a beautiful way of putting it, uh, also goes hand in hand with repression of sexuality. 
And repression of sexuality is, is, was a huge factor. Um, you know, I was technically raised by my grandparents in Southern Baptist, but, uh, and of course, so shame was a huge part of my growing up, uh, as well as, uh, despising most forms of religion. But the, the gist of it and what I think is different today is there has been a, a turn socially in this country over the last 15, 20 years. Uh, toward really embracing and celebrating people's sexuality openly. Mm -hmm. And to that end, whether you agree with that or not, we can, as a lifestyle community, thank the LGBT community for fighting the fight for us. Oh, yes. Because, you know, while we can't necessarily take a letter in the LGBTQI uh, there's several plus. more I suck. Yeah. Plus, uh, but you know, while we don't get a letter in that we can thank them and be allies to them for what they did. What they did is they made being open about your sexuality commonplace. And by doing that, they opened the door for a younger generation of non-monogamous people to identify as non-monogamous, whether they do it privately in their relationship or openly in their lives they're more comfortable doing it because there's a lot of people that talk openly about their sexuality today. So we are seeing a trend downward in age. Our, our last trip to Hito, our average age was in the upper thirties. Yeah. First time I went to Hito, I was like, holy shit, my grandparents have somewhere. They uh, I mean, liver spotted balls as far as the eye could see the first time I went. Hey, that'll be awesome. awesome day. So yeah, it, it was, it was absolutely, it was, it was, it, but you know what? Yeah, they were having a great time. I hope one day I get to be that guy. Right. I know that's a, that bodes well for us. Yeah. 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 But they do. I'm in my fifties or I'm 50 now. And, uh, I grew up here in Alabama, the Bible belt, Southern culture to the core. And I saw and was raised in that sexually repressed environment that really repressed women more so than the men. We'll say this: There is nothing on this earth sexier than a sexually free woman. God, yes, it's the hottest thing you'll ever see. When a woman can own her sexuality and and feels no shame and takes what she wants out of her sexual life, it's the sexiest thing. It's the sexiest, sexiest characteristic to me a woman can have. It's probably the sexiest you get to feel too as a woman. It's very. Feeling total in total control because there's many fa you know facets in society still today that doesn't allow you to do that, and to some degree, whether it's ge you know geography or industry or the list goes religion, the list goes on and on. And to have those moments, it feels really good. Yeah, well, and this really kind of goes back to again being raised by my grandmother. One of the things that she used to really kind of pound into me as I was growing up and trying to figure out how to be a gentleman was she said in my day. First of all, if shacking up was fashionable, I never would have got married. She said that. But second of all. She said that most of the time, men, what we do, we're raised to be strong and we're raised to be independent. We're raised to be a protector. And our goal with women is to get them to say, yes. Wouldn't it be better if your goal was to get them to say, I want you. Right. Yes. And that's the empowerment that Scott's talking about right there. How great is it to see a beautiful woman that you're into look you in the eye and say, I want you. She's not saying, yes, do what you want to me, or I guess you can, or I suppose she's saying, I want you. And that is invigorating and it's enlightening and empowering and all of the things that we need to be truly sexually free. Yeah. And it'll bring a man to his knees too. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly where they want us, Scott. Believe me. <laughs> well, all right. So this has been a fantastic conversation. What is, uh, just as a final parting thought, 
if you had any advice to give to somebody, whether they're a female that is looking into this and would like to bring it up to their husband or male partner or a male wanting to bring it up to the female or a same-sex couple who wants to explore non-monogamy, how would you advise somebody to uh, bring this up in a way that softens the blow and makes it easier to tr- easy to transition into that conversation without causing problems? I know we talked a little bit about this, but uh, any final thoughts on how somebody should approach that? Let's start that one. All right. So uh, this is one of the places where it's a lot easier today than it used to be because there's so much media available on the subject. And some of the media is a lot more palatable, right? There's some television shows that have been done out there and some of them are done well and some of them are done poorly. There's some reality shows that are done well and done poorly. There's podcasts, there's video casts like this. Um, that's a great opportunity to say, Hey, I went down a rabbit hole the other day and I watched this and I thought it was really interesting. It was an interesting conversation. Um, I would honestly, I like starting from an intellectual position as opposed to a fantasy position because the fantasy kind of leads. If you have trust communication or fears about, or issues or fears about your partner leaving you or being with someone else or wanting something more than you starting in the fantasy place may not work for them. Now, if you guys already have a lot of conversation about fantasy, by all means, start there. But if you don't, and if you have some issues with that, start from an intellectual place and talk about some of the the content in the media that's out there. Share it, right? Maybe it's, I mean, in, in a case of, of our show, some of our shows aren't about sex at all and don't have any conversation about sex. And I'm saying, hey, I was, I was Googling whiskey and I found this show and I found a lot of really interesting conversation. Or, you know, I was looking for workouts and I found this place called Naughty Gym. And it turns out they have all this, all this open mentality and all these great reasons to be in the best shape of your life at 50. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different ways to start that conversation from a media perspective. Yeah. So I would recommend maybe finding a piece of media that speaks to you and share that with your partner and don't bring sex into it until the conversation goes there naturally. That's a great idea. Yeah. And, and truly listen, there's a, there's a market difference between hearing someone and listening Um, and be comfortable with how your partner does their communication style in and out. Um, We're very different. One of us may take a little, very, very different in our communication. (laughs) We're, we're, We're very much over communicators to some degree, but in different facets. And one of us can take much longer to digest and process information than the other one it acts on it in the immediate. So <laughs> you're such a tattletale. <laughs> I love this woman. <laughs> so just because they don't say anything or have a reply right away, you, ha- you have to be comfortable in that space and give them room to, to really think about what it is you're talking about, even if it's still theoretical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be perceived as pressure. Spot on. The podcast was a big aha kind of thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I read a lot of books. Like the library did not have a lot, so I had to order them online. Yeah. Well, it gave me space to process in my own way. Like you're saying, like we both process things very differently, and so it gave me the ability to have my own conversations with myself and process what I was hearing without outside influence from him or feeling like he was pressuring. Right. Yeah. And it's important to remember in all media, whether it's published by a major, a major, you know, publisher or whether it's published by a couple of people sitting in their living room, talking to each other over a microphone, recording it, releasing it like a narcissist and hoping somebody will listen to it. That's called podcasting. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't matter 
who that is. It's still their personal okay. reflection of a, of a situation or an emotion or their journey. So take it for what it's worth. It's a grain of salt and a very, very large ocean. So, you know, consume lots of different types of content as you have these conversations together. If you're going to go yeah. the media route, because no one way is the right exactly. way, no matter how big their cult is. Exactly. It's not church. It's not one gospel to live by. This is, this is your life and your relationship and you're going to mm-hmm. modify it. Your well, except mine. Cause I'm perfect. Sure. <laughs> and uh, we will have nine more episodes after this one covering <laughs> a variety of these topics. Uh, some of the most commonly asked questions about getting started in the lifestyle or consensual non-monogamy. So you can look, uh, look for those guys. We appreciate this. This has been fantastic. Tell people how they can find your stuff, your parties, your podcast. <laughs> All right. So we are a casual swinger everywhere. You can find us at casualswinger.com. Um, we have an email. If you'd like to send us a message, a podcast at casualswinger.com. We're on social media, uh, Facebook for maybe a minute or two until they kick us off. <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, and we're also on the dating sites. So as you're venturing out, there's going to be a multitude in your area. Um, a lot of these are regionalized, but we're on SDC, Cassidy, and SLS. And if should you find yourself in need of theme night apparel, lingeries, toys, condoms, lubricant, casualtoys.com, and the chat bubble in the bottom left-hand corner goes directly to our staff yeah. anytime, day or night, to help you guys make a good decision that's body safe for you and something that you'll enjoy. Yeah, and you guys have been great to us at some of our adventure trips, helping give us some free stuff to give away. So we we've always been appreciative. Appreciate of that. that. So, yeah. Um, All right. Well, it's been great talking to you guys. Thank you so much for your time, um, and we will talk to you soon. Uh, thanks for Thank having you us, guys. We appreciate everything you do for the community. What she said. Thank you.